Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. Others have spoken on this topic better than I can, but I am a white trans lady, so I have the privilege of more people listening to me. And I honestly can't believe this needs to be said because it's such a no-brainer. But so many people, especially cis folks and white trans women, need to hear it. So here we are talking trans intersectionality. Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the warrior queen who saved me from the dungeon, Susan Bridges. <laughs> wow. I mean, you did. I mean, wow. That is accurate. Okay. I don't know if I would say warrior queen. I'd say. I would. I would. Oh, see? <laughs> see? The motion is carried. I'd say incredibly blunt woman. Well. You can be both. Okay. Our guest this week is Mina Martinez Oldham. As a library girl, Mina shares her love of bookish things, her hopefulness, and her life as a trans Jewish Latina. She'll be leading the Wayward Children monthly read along starting in May 2023. I didn't know about this. I'm doing it with you. Welcome, Mina. Hell yeah. Hey. Hello. Glad to be Hi. here. Okay. So, so there's something I want to talk about before we get started which is a very right. unique thing to the two of us. And I'm sure there are other people in the world that have experienced it, but it feels like it's probably pretty rare in that pre-transition way in the way back days, uh, we were friends, uh, pretty good friends. And then for some reason, mm -hmm. because of life things that happened, uh, we sort of lost touch for a little while. And when we got back in touch, both of us had transitioned. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that was... I, that was really something. I don't know. Was that a surprise to you? It was. It was. Yeah. It was just um, I was in a um, Discord group and you yeah. posted an introduction and I, it my 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 brain snapped all the pieces together and <laughs> and it was the how do I introduce myself without dead naming myself? Yeah, which is always a fun one. But yeah, it's it's an unusual experience, but it's happened again because I mean we both know Laser. Yes. And Laser and I lived in Portland at the same time, both of us pre-transition. Oh wow. We had met Laser yeah. pre-transition as well, actually. Well, we years ago saw him perform, but we didn't actually meet him, meet him like after the show or anything. That's true. We were uh, at a show where Laser yeah. was performing. Yeah. But but there, but there were moments when I, I think we had a mutual moment of, oh my God, this makes so much more sense now, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so weird because when we knew each other pre-transition, I always felt that there was something about you that I recognized in myself. There was some sort of like kinship 
And I thought it was just because we were good friends and I really liked you as a person and you were wonderful, but it was, it was more than that. And, you know, that was back when I only had inklings that I might be trans and I wasn't really sure. And I hadn't really even started exploring it that much yet. And so I feel like that's probably what I was recognizing. You know, we were both eggs and uh, sometimes mm -hmm. an egg can recognize an egg. So <laughs> even <laughs> when you don't know you're an egg. Yeah, De definitely. Yes. Okay, so at the top of these, as you know, and as people who have been listening know, we ask a few questions about, about mm -hmm. transy things to help the audience get to know our guests. So for you, what has been the best thing about transitioning? It's simply so much easier being me. Oh, yeah. I'm less shy, more confident, more sassy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be, I used to be, you know, the girl hiding in the shadows in the corner. Yep, same. And um, yeah, because being closeted was a drain on my energy and my self-confidence. Yeah. And now that I don't have that drain, I can divert power to other systems. Yeah. Um, it's really kind of amazing. I've, I've, I've noticed the same thing where, you know, I can now, I want to be in places I've never been before. I want to meet people I've never met. I don't want to hide in the corner. I want to be seen. I want to talk to people and get to know them. And I have the capacity for all these new experiences when I don't have dysphoria occupying so much of my every waking thought, you know? Right. It's such an enormous weight. And it's, and, you know, we're, we're carrying that around for years, decades, yeah. and then suddenly it's gone. And it's like, oh my God, there's so much else I can do in my life so much else, you know, that I have fuel for doing. Yeah. Yeah. And even when it's not gone, just, just having it lessen just the slightest bit, it, it still feels like monumental because you don't realize how heavy it all is. I think until it starts to lessen and you're like, how did I deal with this? Oh my God, it's been so awful. So I totally feel that. But on like the, the other side of the coin, then what has been the worst or most difficult thing for you about transitioning? Yeah, well, this one is not trans exclusive. It applies to anyone who is part of the rainbow alphabet. Mm -hmm. And that's that coming out never ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was not prepared like, for that. <laughs> the, it's like the questions from straight cis people never end. And obviously here on Trans Tuesday, the point is we're talking about being trans, but yeah. like if we're at book club and we're discussing William Goldman's The Princess Bride, don't flip the conversation to make me your personal queerpedia. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot, you know, and there are so many more important things to discuss, like with a book like that, like how there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world and it would be a shame to ruin mine. Oh, see how I flipped it. They're perfect because they're mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, that's definitely true. And, you know, I wasn't even prepared for just how often I'd have to come out again to even people I know and not even necessarily friends, but just like, oh, I haven't gone to get an eye exam in a while. And now I have to call the eye doctor and explain to the receptionist that I'm trans and they need to change my name in their system. And it's just stuff like that forever. It's yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I had I, I had the eye exam experience too, except the doctor somehow missed that I was trans and I, it's, I asked him to update the record to, to Mina from what yeah. it said. And he he told me that he thought that 
that my egg name was a stupid name for for parents to name a girl. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like he didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, just didn't register at all. That's, that's didn't funny. register at all. But wow. But, yeah, but there's also and different layers of coming out because there's also it's because trans isn't the only way that I'm queer. Yep, same. So it's you know people see my spouse and I as yeah. a gay couple, but mm -hmm. I'm I'm not I I don't find just women crushable. So it's like I have to keep explaining that I'll accept being being called gay or lesbian because those words contextually apply, but I'm not just that. So sure. it's like even to other queer people, yeah, I have to come out based on their assumptions. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Okay, so let's dive in to this week's topic. If you're somehow unfamiliar, intersectionality is just what it sounds like. It is the intersection of multiple vectors of marginalization that people experience due to biases and discrimination in our society. I am part of a marginalized community. I'm a trans woman. By now, you've certainly realized how othered, demonized, and hated we are by society for the quote-unquote crime of not wanting to have to pretend to be someone we're not and be the women we really are, and have the entire medical establishment backing us up on. I do not presently face any other marginalizations, though I have previously. For a long time, we were very poor, and class is absolutely one vector of intersectionality. Our society punishes people in poverty for the quote-unquote crime of not having much or any money. Uh, it is important to note, however, that I never faced these two marginalizations at the same time. Uh, once I transitioned to live as my true self, we've thankfully been financially okay. But that is definitely not the case for a whole lot of trans people who often also face poverty due to losing homes and jobs after coming out and being unable to find new ones. About 30% of trans people are in extreme poverty. And that number jumps up to 36% for Black trans people. And why is that? Well, you'd better know by now that all the marginalization, state violence, discrimination, and racism Black people in this country face on a daily basis. There's an article from the Washington Post with more data on this that you can find linked in the show notes. So Black trans people are dealing with all the ways society harms them for being Black while also dealing with all the ways society harms them for being trans. And over a third of them also experience all the ways society harms them for being poor. And they may face other marginalizations as well. They could be disabled or a senior or a disabled senior. And I hope you're starting to get it because that is intersectionality. For every vector of marginalization a person faces, their life is remarkably more difficult. And uh, here I just want to know a sad but illuminating statistic is that trans women of color face the highest murder rate in the United yes, States. They do. It's it's really rough out there. I was wondering if, if Mina, if you wanted to talk a little about the different marginalizations that you're personally facing and how those intersect with you being a trans woman. Oh God. Um, well, I can't pull them apart. As mentioned in, in the um, intro, uh, I am also Latina. Mm -hmm. My mother's Mexican and I am Ashkenazi Jewish. And I have, if you're a Jewish woman online, you get anti-Semitism. Yeah. And you will have your nose mocked. 
It's just one of those, um, which is a very specific mixture of misogyny and anti-Semitism because this doesn't happen to Jewish men. I did not know that. It's just like, you know, we have misogynoir or misogyny yeah. plus, yeah, and trans misogyny. I have been told things like with the the mix of being Latina and trans is, you know, saying something online and somebody's response being, you should go home or die if you don't love this country or, you know, and it's the go home part is, of course, because they think I belong in Mexico because I'm Latina, even though I was born in California. Right. And it's funny how it's so often putting a light on the injustices that gets just this enormous blowback. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And I have this habit, which both of you have seen of just, I, I, I remind the internet that I'm trans Jewish and Latina. Yeah. So I'm kind of asking for this blowback. I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, I'll I mean, that's, that, I don't but... think you're asking for it because nobody deserves to be harassed because of who they are. And, and you but... shouldn't have to face that just for trying to speak about the truth that you live. <laughs> Yeah, and and of course I get just yeah being mocked, being mocked for my race, or being yeah. being told that I'm I'm not a real American and not a real woman. Of course, and that of course is, you know, again that's the if you happen to be multilingual or if you happen to be multi-ethnic, yeah, there there are my people amongst my fellow Americans who think that I am not a real American. Yeah. That's terrible. And you have to deal with all of that at once. That's That's got to be so hard. Yeah. And some of it, I mean, all you can do is shrug it off. Because for me, talking about social justice is just so incredibly important, especially, yeah. especially because so many people are ignorant. Like so many good people don't know what's going on. It's like, yep. I have to talk about it. Yeah. I feel that same obligation. And that, that's actually part of why I started Trans Tuesdays, because as a financially okay white trans woman who didn't lose a home or family or job or friends, I face so many less barriers than almost all other trans people. And that's my privilege. If you'd like more info on the very concept of privilege in society, how cis people have so much more than trans people, there's a Trans Tuesday on that. If you'd like more info on my privilege and how I try to use it for good, there's a Trans Tuesday on that. And if you'd like more info on how my privilege gives me a responsibility to help those who are less privileged, there's a Trans Tuesday on that too. You can find all of those at TillysTransTuesdays.com. And I was just going to say there, thank yeah. you, because another one of those observable statistics is that people with privilege are more likely to believed, be believed than those without. Right. I mean, if I talk about anti-Semitism, people will say I'm just whining or I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Whereas either of you as non-Jewish women talk about anti-Semitism, you'll be taken more seriously than me. You'll be heard better than me. Yeah. It, it's wrong, but it's, I mean, it's wrong that that is the case, but it's an absolute truth. And that's also why it's so important that cis people stand up for trans people, because you will be listened to more than we will about trans issues, which is backwards, but the truth. Now, it's been known that there is a racism problem in the white trans woman community. And while I find that terribly awful and dismaying, I also can't say I'm entirely surprised because a whole lot of white people, cis and trans alike, have a racism problem. I've been calling it out every time I see it. 
but I've been told we have to fight for trans rights first. And I have a black friend, so I can't be racist. And now is not the time over and over again. And imagine telling someone they have to wait to get their rights until you get yours. Yikes. That's been going on for centuries, right? From getting the vote for every citizen of the United States, seemingly one group of marginalized people at a time while others are made to wait on through everything else. There's a real I got mine attitude of people willing to throw everyone else under the bus for their own gain. But in doing so, you weaken your own position because oppression always comes back around as we just saw in the recent loss of a national right to abortion care. How difficult, um, oh yeah, go ahead, Mina, go on. I was just gonna say for this, that after Roe v. Wade fell, yeah, I, I noticed the phrase sanctuary states coming up in two different contexts. One was for states like Washington and California, where we both live, that protect reproductive rights. But I was also seeing yeah. it from the trans community as a lot yeah. of anti-trans bills were being passed or considered mm. that Washington and California are also sanctuary states for gender affirming care. Yeah. And it's not lost on me that it's either the same governments, state, state governments that are either trying to support these things or trying to stomp on these things. And that's yeah. a kind of intersectionality as well. That's true. It is. And well, you know, it's also, I've, I've said this before, this is a whole extra uh, Trans Tuesday on its own, but the fight for trans rights is the same as the fight for bodily autonomy. They are one and mm -hmm. the same because it's just about having control over your own body and your own life. So the fight for abortion rights is the fight for trans rights. They are the same and we need to be fighting alongside each other. Now, I keep saying that trans people are human beings, which is very true, but that means that just like the rest of humanity, we're not immune to flaws or bigotry. <clears throat> Caitlyn Jenner, okay, moving on. Uh, let's not talk about her, but a lot of this recently anyway was sparked by the murder of Brianna Jai. And I shouldn't have to say this, but it was awful and horrific and my heart breaks for her but it also breaks for every trans woman who's a victim of violence. But she wasn't the first, and she wasn't even the first in 2023. Just this year, there was Zashe Imanatuatajo, Jasmine Starmack, and Destiny Howard, and sadly, probably more that I'm not aware of. And did you see the same kind of response from the trans community over their deaths? Have you even heard their names before? Did you know that all three of them were Black trans women? Why aren't they deserving of the outpouring of love and support as Brianna? That was rhetorical because of course they are, but they didn't get it, did they? What's worse is the black community created movements with accompanying hashtags specifically for the violence that black women face at the hands of police. Say her name and rest in power. These were appropriated by a whole lot of white trans women for Brianna, and that's a problem. Now, now listen, the internet and social media is vast, movements take off and we don't always know where or how or why they originated. No one's saying you have to know everything. But when you see those movements used in ways they were not intended and black people politely ask you not to use them and explain their origin and meaning, the correct response is, I'm so sorry, I had no idea, I'll stop using them, the end. There are so many words in the English language we can and should have our own just for the violence trans women face. I've suggested tell her truth and rest in pride is also a good one, though that one is applicable to the entire queer community and not trans women specifically. 
But what you don't do is make excuses for why you can keep using things that don't belong to you. What you don't do is parrot racist dog whistles that the only Black people complaining are agitators. What you don't do is say, but the words fit, so I'm going to use them anyway and ignore the harm you're doing. The way you support any marginalized community is by listening to the people from that community. You don't make them justify what they're telling you as if it's only okay if it meets your approval. You do not make them do the labor of educating you on their movements as if they're personally obligated to be your teacher. You are on the internet, be an ally and educate yourself. All of those things, all of them are what we trans people keep asking and begging cis people to do for us because nothing, nothing, nothing will get better for us until they do. So how do you not see that nothing, nothing, nothing will get better for black people until white people will do the same for them? How can you be okay with visiting the same kind of bigotry, of appropriation, of violence upon another marginalized community when you've experienced it yourself and know how awful it is? How can you not want to fight for every single human being to be treated truly equally by society? How? I legit don't understand it. We can and should and need to focus on more than one thing at a time. If your fight is not intersectional, you are not part of the fight. You are, in fact, aiding our oppressors. Now, Mina, I wanted to ask if you've had to deal with any kind of cultural appropriation where people took something from a community you belong to and used it in ways that never intended and how that might have affected you. Oh, God. I see this. Well, okay. Cinco de Mayo is one enormous cultural appropriation. We could, oh, we yeah. could start there. Because <laughs> Cinco de Mayo is not a Mexican holiday. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I see that all the time. And I see, you know, you see white writers in Hollywood writing scripts featuring Latino characters played by white actors. Yeah. And uh, bits of Latino culture just plopped into books and film as, as, as kind of seasoning. You know, we'll sprinkle in, sprinkle in a little, you know, a, a little Mexican here, little Mexican seasoning on, on sure. this movie. And it's infuriating because often it's ripped out of context. It's lost yeah. its meaning. The other one I'm thinking of, and I'm wondering if I should eat. Okay, I'll go there. Um, Do it. There's a game that came out recently. I'm not going to mention yeah. the name of the game or, yeah. or the author's author whose IP it was based on, yeah. but it used some Jewish stereotypes that go back hundreds of years for one of the races in this fantasy game, use them as the bad guy. In the game, there is an artifact that is called an, the, the name of this race, race's artifact. That artifact is a Jewish ritual object that appears in the book of Exodus in the Bible. So it's like, this is something Jews have been using for thousands of years Yeah, that was placed, you can see a picture of it in this game in the glass case as a special object for these, for the villains in the game. Yeah. And so that's not just appropriating things from my ancestors, that's using it in stereotypically anti-Semitic ways. Right. It's actually being used to harm you on like purposefully. There's I there's enough evidence there that it was definitely purposeful all the way through. And that's that's 
that's beyond appropriation. That's just outright bigotry. Yeah, I, you know what game I'm talking about, I do. right? Yeah, definitely okay. do. <laughs> I presume most of the audience does as well. Yeah, and and just for appropriate, just to define appropriation for a moment, the best definition of appropriation I ever heard was it is taking from a culture without including the people of that culture. Yeah. And I'm about to dump on a show I love, Firefly. Why weren't there any Chinese writers or directors or main cast members on Firefly? Uh -huh. It has a huge cultural appropriation issue. That's right. It, it's been a long time since we've seen it, but you're right. It, there's a lot of uh, things taken directly from Chinese culture and used in the show without any regard for what that means to Chinese people or their input. So yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, so let's talk about all the vectors of discrimination and marginalization people might face in our society. I am gonna admit to you now, I may be missing some. This is not intended to be comprehensive. It's just illustrative of the many different ways society discriminates against people. So for vectors of marginalization, we have race, class, gender, transness, age, disability, incarceration, religion, language, weight. I'm sure there's more. And if you don't believe in some of them, listen, just go out to lunch with people experiencing some of these marginalizations and see how differently they're treated. Susan and I once went to lunch with friends, a cis white couple from Italy. They're wonderful, they're charming, I adore them. But they're also basically the most privileged people in society, right? They're white cis people, but their English wasn't great yet, which is totally fine that they don't have to have great English. But the discrimination they faced in just trying to order their food was eye-opening and disgusting. And I'm not saying that's the same level as what trans people or black people or disabled people experience, but it is definitely another vector of discrimination. Now, listen to that list that I mentioned and realize a whole lot of people experience multiples of those marginalizations. Some people might even experience all of them at once. And of course, life isn't difficult for those people because they belong to those categories necessarily, but because of the way society treats you when you are in those categories. So what you're saying when you refuse to listen to people from a marginalized community is on the surface that their needs aren't as important as yours, whether you experience a marginalization or not. But further, there are people who share your marginalization. who You are telling that their experiences don't matter and aren't as important as yours. So to use the movement and hashtag example from before, a trans person saying, I'm going to use say her name anyway, is telling every black person that you don't care if you hurt them. And you're telling every black trans person that they're not welcome in the trans community. You please, please need to see the harm that you are doing, not just to people who are different from you, which should be enough on its own, but to people who are also like you. There is no such thing as waiting your turn for rights. We are not free until all of us are free, because if one group gains liberation while others still suffer, first of all, that's a gigantic problem on its own. But if that's not enough for you, remember that no bigotry exists in a vacuum. Nobody is just one type of bigot. Scratch a transphobe and find a racist and a sexist. All bigotry is connected because at its root, it's all about fear and hatred of anyone who doesn't conform to the false binaries of society established by rich, able-bodied, cisgender, heterosexual white men. 
If you like more info on the false dichotomies of society, come back next week right here on this very podcast and you can hear us talk all about them with Nina. But if we don't fight for everyone experiencing oppression and morality requires that we do, eventually the oppression will come right back around to us again, again, as we just saw in the hard fought abortion rights being overturned. If you can't do it for others, at least do it for the selfish reason of protecting yourself. So how do you learn these things? How do you find out what life is like for people from different communities, people who experience different marginalizations than you? Well, my friends, you follow them on social media. You make friends with them. You read what they have to say and you listen. I follow a lot of trans people. I also follow a lot of black people, Latinx people, Asian people. I follow disabled people. I follow Muslims and Hindus and atheists and Jewish people. I follow people from every income level and of multiple genders and ages. And I listen to them. And you wouldn't believe how much I learn. And that hopefully makes me a better ally to them. I want to be a better ally to them. I need to be. I need to be an accomplice in their liberation, just like we need cis people to be accomplices in trans liberation. I just want to toss in there that listening is great because, I mean, first, a lot of people don't listen. But yeah. the, the thing I'd ask for anybody who's listening is the next step is to believe because yeah. I, I've been told, I've experienced the, that doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll, 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 I'm like, wait, I just told you that happens. And you're saying that doesn't happen or that isn't real. And you have to accept that if you have privilege, just because your life is different, that, you know, these things do happen to some people. So you have to really, because it's hurtful to not believe after you've listened. You're so. absolutely right. And I should clarify that when I say you need to listen to people, that that is what I was trying to get at, is that not just listen, but believe what they're telling you. Really listen and understand where they're coming from. Thank you so much for being here, Mina. This has been a great discussion. And I'm when I knew I was going to write about this one, I really wanted you to be here for it. And I think you've contributed some really, really great stuff. And I hope people have learned a lot. And And I'm just so glad you could be here with us for it. I was glad to be here. I was excited when you mentioned what the topics are going to be, because I was like, oh, I have a lot to say here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, as my closing thought, I just want to mention that one of the people I've followed and learned so much from is Rabbi Dania Ruttenberg. I'm not Jewish or cis like she is, but she has taught me so much, and not just about Jewish people and their faith, but also about life. And she has a really great saying that liberation is a group project and it applies everywhere. Be the ally and accomplice for others that we need them to be for us. Tell her truth. None of us without all of us. Tilly Bridges, and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Jillian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. 
The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.